0: to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to the rebel girls and riot girls in the music industry and why they matter. Each episode will feature songs by bands you just need to hear. So if you think you're ready, I will see you in the front. to Rebel Hearts. This is episode 15. I wanted to revisit mental illness in the wake of the loss of Lincoln Park frontman and voice of a generation, Chester Bennington. For those of you that may not know, Chester committed suicide by hanging at the age of 41. I have never been a big Lincoln Park fan, but this really affected me. It has affected so many people in music and so many people in general. I did not know anything about Chester. I never knew he struggled with mental illness, even though obviously now looking back, all the lyrics and all the song titles kind of point to that. But when I first was introduced to Linkin Park, it was at a very young age. And at the time I was kind of ignorant and didn't really understand anything other than emo music. You know, I understood that we use the term emo, but I didn't really know what it meant. I didn't understand anything about mental illness or depression or anything like that. So songs like numb, all of those big hits, I didn't really register as anything being wrong. So finding out all of these things that he struggled with really broke me. And I saw this interview the day after his passing and I want you guys just to listen to it. It's around like a minute and a half two minutes but i really want you guys to hear the hurt in his voice while talking about all of these things and i just want you guys to really pay attention to it
1: i don't know if anybody out there can relate but like i have a hard time with life sometimes sometimes it's great but a lot of times for me it's really hard and um and no matter how i'm feeling like i always find myself like struggling with certain patterns of behavior i find myself like stuck in like a in like the same thing that keeps repeating over and over again and i'm just like how do i end up how am i in this and it's that moment where you're in it and then you kind of separate yourself from that situation and you look at it and you see it for what it is and you you're able to then do something about it like you've you've now broken out of that is it is it a uh, are you kind of because first the first couple of lines on the track make me think that you are like overthinking things in your life? Is it like a you're? It, it could be. I mean, yourself? I mean honestly, like there's so many there's so many circumstances that for me that relate to this situation. But like, I know that for me, when I'm inside myself, when I'm in my own head, it gets a, this place right here, this, this this skull between my ears, that is a bad neighborhood, and I am. <laughs> I should not be in there alone. <laughs> I need I can't be in there by myself. What are you talking about? It just you just you just it's insane. It's crazy in here. This is a bad place for me to be by myself. And so when I'm in that, like, I get I my whole life gets thrown off. Like if I'm in there, like I don't say nice things to myself. Like there's another chester in there that's like wants to take me down. And so um and I find that it could be whether it's substances or whether it's behavior or whether it's, like, depressive stuff or whatever it is. Like, if I'm not, like, actively, like, doing, getting out of myself and and being with other people, like, being a dad, being a husband, being a bandmate, like, being a friend, helping someone out. Like, if I'm not, if I'm out of myself, I'm great. If I'm inside all the time, I'm I'm horrible. I'm a mess. And so, for me, it's, like, that was kind of where... I don't like my mind right now stacking up problems that are so unnecessary you know that's where that kind of that was where that came from for me and um and that's but it's the moment where it's like realizing like I drive myself nuts like actually thinking that like all these are real problems like all the stuff that's going on in here is actually just I'm doing this to myself and um regardless of whatever that thing is and so this is that like conscious awareness of that thing and like when you when you can step back and look at something like you're actually elevating yourself consciously like you're 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 enlightened at that point right to a certain degree
0: Now, the thing that really bothers me is the whole he left behind six kids thing. No, I am not a parent. However, it is a form of ignorance to refuse to understand depression or any type of mental illness. Depression is probably one of the most talked about mental illnesses. And for those of you unfamiliar with how depression works, depression affects the chemical makeup in your brain. Now, I was researching depression before this episode, and it says that it's a lot more complex than just a chemical imbalance in your brain. So not only is it a chemical imbalance, it's more complex than that. So for you to just write that off and just say, oh, it's just being said is completely ignorant. And if you suffer from depression and you get a brain scan, your scan will probably look a lot different than somebody who does not suffer. You can check it out on Google. It's been a legitimate thing. So I'm not making that up. A lot of people have said my favorite analogy, though. They've been saying, when someone dies from cancer, we blame the cancer. But when someone commits suicide, we blame the person. When Robin Williams took his life... Coincidentally, the same way. We heard how he was a coward and how he was selfish and how suicide is selfish in general. But did anyone really stop to think why he took his own life? I mean, it's incredibly difficult being surrounded by people who voted for someone who for president because they thought he would keep out an entire race of people. There's a certain kind of ignorance attached to a certain demographic of people, and it is mind blowing and fucking sad to hear and see. I'm sick of being told I am not a parent. I wouldn't understand how you would feel because my response is the same. You're not depressed. You don't suffer from a mental illness. How the fuck do you sit there and say a chemical imbalance in my brain is selfish? Also, yes, Chester was a father, a husband, a friend, but he was also a fucking person struggling. I am so sick of people tweeting out the suicide hotline number after a famous person's suicide and then forget it ever existed. I am so sick of people doing nothing when someone asks them for help, and I'm also sick of people saying he should have talked to someone. Talking to someone doesn't solve all your problems when you deal with a mental illness. Talk Talking to someone doesn't fucking cure you. So now that I've opened that up, I'm going to talk about mental illness in this episode, like I've already stated. I actually have an episode about Lauren Jane Grace, trans front woman of the band Against Me. I talk about her book Tranny and how she has attempted suicide herself. She's spoken many interviews about it since her attempt, but here's one from recently that I want you guys to listen to quick.
1: I think the stats are something like 41% of transgender people have attempted suicide? Yeah, somewhere around there. How did you find your way through that? I didn't, I've attempted suicide. I'm part of that statistic very much. I had a suicidal nervous breakdown about three, four years ago, about a year and a half after coming out, like it all just kind of caught up with me. And at the time too, I was also having some health issues in reaction to the hormones that I was on. I was Waking up with like, just drenched in sweat with hot flashes and my arms would be like locked to my chest, I couldn't unlock them and uh, like had to come off hormones cold turkey, which just really fucks your system up after you've been on them for a while and literally makes it so like your brain cannot be happy, like the dopamine receptors are not working. I was, like, shattered, you know, as a person and had to, like, kind of rebuild from there.
0: All right, so taking a quick break from all this heavy content to bring you guys the first song for today. I am so honored to not only know this person, but to be able to call her a friend. Her name is Chanel McGinnis, and she's from Ireland. Chanel has not only been one of the lucky few who have got to sing Misery Business with Paramore, she also is all over the internet with her amazing music, and you can find a lot of her covers on Twitter. She's been doing a lot of Paramore covers and just a lot of covers in general. This song is the title track from her 20. 15 EP Already Gone. The song is so sweet and simple. Her voice doesn't have a huge production, but it doesn't need it. It stands strong and sweet on its own. So here is Already Gone.
2: Faced mom. I Still. i
0: Again, that was the song Already Gone by Chanel McGinnis off her 2015 EP Already Gone. She's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and literally everywhere. So there's no excuse that you guys can't find her music. She is also a really big part of the Paramore community, and I'm so grateful for everybody in it, all of the musicians, all of the great people I've met. I hope you guys keep making wonderful music that I continue to feature. So getting back to our topic of mental illness, I mentioned in the anxiety episode about Haley and Lynn opening up about their struggles recently i wanted to just take a quick moment to play you guys another clip from the npr interview that paramore did where Haley talks about having hope and dealing with her recent struggles you know that also includes depression is so prominent in in the lyrics and in this
1: album but faith feels central in this album as well Haley, zach talk to me about that what does that mean for you personally
3: You know, I think what we have to remember is that we are just human beings, and um, with that comes a lot of just crap, you know, and that might mean depression for me in the past couple years, and that might mean something for Zach or something for Taylor that's different, but we just all have our mountains and our valleys, and you know sometimes you wake up and you're at the very bottom of the lowest point and other days you work your ass off to get to the peak of the mountain and you're able to look out and see everything that you've survived.
0: Haley has also done another super honest and real interview lately. This one is from I.D. The interview just came out this month, but was actually done a couple of months ago. I just wanted to read you guys what Haley said about the song Idol Worship, since it's one of the songs from After Laughter I keep mentioning, and how important it is that that song exists. So, I.D. says, you mentioned earlier that you're in your own head a lot. In idol Worship, you grapple with the pressures of being a role model, which is such an understandable frustration. But how much of that pressure do you feel was in and how much do you feel was external? Haley said, I found myself in a really weird headspace in the last few years where I was going through these things in my personal life, but we had just come off of this really successful album. People would come up to me in my hometown and have pictures of me in these very superhero type poses across their shirts, and they'd say, oh, you're perfect. I've looked up to you for so long. I never discounted anything that anybody would say because that's the truth for them, and I appreciate that, but what I couldn't shake was how much that contrasted with the way that I viewed myself. I was crumbling. I was losing friendships. I was going through things with my family, my relationship. I just felt like, wow, this person that I'm standing right in front of has no idea that I'm probably doing worse than they're doing. And they're asking me for advice and they're telling me that I'm perfect. It made me very angry at myself that I wasn't at that level and I never could be. And it made me wonder, did I paint myself out to be someone that can handle this? Did I do this to myself? I went home not too long after and I wrote to music that Taylor had given me weeks and weeks before and was able to finally blurt all of this out she continues to talk about being uncomfortable in certain situations id says i sometimes wonder whether female musicians are held to a higher standard when it comes to being a role model Haley's response was, I absolutely agree with that. There's so many even more subtle parts to this conversation that I experience on a daily basis. And sometimes I can't even put my finger on it. I just know it's happening. We were leaving the airport yesterday and lately we get paparazzi at the airport. Our tour manager was like, do you want to go straight to the van? And I was like, you know what? I do because I don't feel comfortable having a massive camera lens in my face. I get major anxiety and I start to shake, but I don't want to go unless Taylor and Zach go with me. If I leave and nobody else goes with me, that I'm the asshole. I'm the one that leaves my bandmates behind. Those little subtle choices, I guess they meant to say, that I feel I have to make that are in anticipation of the fact that I'm a target just by being a female in a band I try not to paint myself in the victim light because I feel very strong I've put I've been put in this life and I know I can handle it but there's just truths that are, that are there and whether some people see it or not that's their thing but I definitely feel it I definitely do know what it's like to be held to a standard that's just impossible and attainable sorry guys I tried to adjust the contrast on my computer screen but I really just think I have to face it and I think I need glasses I cannot read for shit, no matter what. But I'm trying. And speaking of Lynn, Paris has done a few more magazine interviews promoting the release of All We Know of Heaven, All We Need of Hell that's now due out August 25th. Pushed back due to a few touch-ups in production. I know it'll be worth the wait, though. And the band spoke with Kerrang! for the cover issue Lynn was again talking about therapy and the stress of touring. She was talking about hearing noises in the haunted church they recorded in, and then the article goes on to say this. On tour, you get swept up in the world where you have your game face on constantly and have your shit together, says Lynn. There's no time to ever really process your emotions. In the past, i checked them off and come back to it later in the day, but it became a snowball of compartmentalizing my emotions and hiding them under the bed. I had to be strong for the people around me and would suppress things so much I became numb." I wouldn't feel anything. I would really become my own worst enemy throughout the past years. She adds, I was incredibly hard on myself. I didn't know how to love myself. That all came full force after we got off tour because I could really process everything going on. Now, Lynn has talked about in the past how much he loves the Linkin Park record, Hybrid Theory.
3: What's up, folks? In from Paris? And here are some of my top five favorite records. No particular order. Um, number one would be Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory. When I was in, like, the first grade with, like, a little bowl cut and, like, camo pants and no fashion sense, I had, like, my little Walkman and my CD and my headphones, and I'd always just jam that record front to back all the time, every day. So that's definitely a big one for me.
0: And she actually spoke in two separate tweets about Chester's suicide, and she said... I apologize if any of this is misinterpreted or if anybody simply just doesn't understand for whatever reasons. I still find it intimidating talking about mental illness as it is such a unique and isolated experience from person to person. Just reflecting on here. Sometimes the most heartbreaking thing to hear as an artist is that you've provided others with strength when you can't find it in your own self. I think anyone who has dealt with any form of depression, mental illness can understand this hopeless feeling of providing quote unquote light to others while sitting in your own darkness. My heart aches thinking of this concept in the specific feeling depression quite often has little to do with the circumstances of one's life one can hold the world in their hands and feel completely empty or be handed the worst and still feel a way to and still find a way to feel fulfilled there is no specific face to it no guidelines and no requirements to determine who battles depression and who doesn't much of our society has yet to understand that our definitions of suffering and happiness are all completely subjective I'm always torn on what to believe as far as the causes cures for these things. Is it truly something as simple as the wiring and arrangement of chemicals in our brains? Can therapy, medication, and other methods really heal it? Or is it something much deeper than that? Is it something cosmic, karmic, and spiritual? Is it something far more complex than those two separate things? Is it both the chemical and spiritual blended together in a symbiosis and coexistence far beyond our comprehension? Now that was the only things that she said on it. She said something else in a third tweet that I'm not going to read. It was basically just saying that she's really sad and it was just such a tragedy and, I agree. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Linkin Park. I didn't really know much about Chester, but man, it really affected me. And I didn't really realize it until one of my friends who was a huge Linkin Park fan, or at least a big Chester fan, he posted a live video of of an unreleased Linkin Park song. And I just couldn't watch it because it's super sad knowing that even though I didn't have a connection to this person, that they're just gone. You know, you're watching them perform in you know, the past, like it was probably from the early two thousands and they're just not fucking here anymore. And it's just really, really sad to me. And like I said, no connection to the guy, but it just really affected me. And I think it's because with all the suffering and all the mental illness going on, and it's been so prominent in our scene lately, it's just really hard and it's just really heartbreaking. But Lynn also did another interview where she spoke about, um, her depression. She spoke to NME and she said, I was actually disappointed when I woke up. I knew that wasn't okay. And it says, Paris front woman Lynn Gunn. Uh, has opened up about her battles with depression and going to therapy to overcome dark times. The U S band are gear- gearing up to release their second album. All we know of heaven, all we need of hell on August 25th. However, gun says that she was caught in a downward spiral before making the record. I would wake up in the morning and not want to go get out of bed. Gun told Kerrang. I was actually disappointed when I woke up. I knew that wasn't okay. The demands of the band got wrapped up into my personal things, overlapping and conflicting with time off and seeing family. I kind of liked it because I could run away and have an excuse for avoiding certain situations. I understand it's not the most noble mentality, but over time, I started to get resentful because I felt I didn't have time for myself at that point. The article continues saying, now Gunn says that she finds herself in a much better place. I've been going to therapy and talking with some people, and that's definitely helped, she said being able to lay out all your thoughts and figure out what's triggering what. It's about rewiring your brain. This is the main reason why I ended up where I did. You know to feel your emotions, you can't bottle them up. You need to be vulnerable with yourself. My body and my and brain's def, uh, defense mechanism was to turn everything off. It's a process and you have to be kind to yourself. Other people want to help and they do. It's easier said than done when you're in that state. You'll push people away because you feel like nobody can understand it. But some people can. And then lastly, the article says she added, I'm trying to apply everything I've learned over the years, over the past few years to try and enjoy everything fully and be present in the moment. It's a cliched thing to learn or come to terms with over time, but you really have to just embrace darkness and learn to honor that as much as the light. Now, after the anxiety episode, I was told to look into Sarah Quinn from Tegan and Sarah due to her speaking up about her battles with mental illness over the years. And she was actually featured in the zine, What Do You Want?, that I just pre-ordered actually. I meant to pre-order it. I had it in a cart and then for some reason never hit buy. So I just pre-ordered it again and they did a super limited second pressing. I'll link to you guys in the show notes so you can check it out or buy it. Now, Sarah spoke to Enemy also, a lot of people are speaking to Enemy apparently, in June of this year. And Enemy asked her, what advice would you give to a young person stro- struggling to come to terms with their illnesses and seek help? Sarah said, there's no shame in feeling down. It's also hard sometimes to know if you're down or depressed. It's okay to admit that you're not sure, that you don't feel like yourself. I think finding someone, someone to talk to is super important and more people ask for help than people think. Being young can be super overwhelming. There's a lot happening internally and externally. I encourage people to remember these things and seek help. We all go through t- tough times. There truly is no weakness in admitting you need a hand through the darkness. She also spoke to Diva in March of this year saying, in an illuminating conversation, Sarah also talks about the recently launched Tegan and Sarah Foundation and its importance. We live in a world where we are expected to advocate for ourselves and get the things that we need, she says. What if we can't? What if you can't? What if you don't have those skills? What if you didn't have a mom who kicked down your door and demanded to know what was going on with you? What if you're isolated and socially and emotionally and physically from getting the help that you need? I think that by servicing our own LGBTQ community, we can help with that. I don't think of the foundation like it's going to help LGBTQ women. I think that when you strengthen some some of these institutions or develop programs that benefit people who are often ignored or forgotten or invisible, it ends up helping everybody. Now, when I get the zine in the mail, I will touch on it again and I will tell you guys all about it. But f- all I have for you guys today on that. So I'm going to go slightly off topic now to talk to you guys about something cool that actually happened at a Circus Survive show that I'm super happy that somebody in the band stood against. I'll read you guys the whole article since it's only the tweets that were sent out regarding the issue. The article says, Brendan of Circus Survive explains why he walked off stage mid set in St Louis last night that was posted on July 22nd it says last night at the pageant in St. Louis, Missouri attend- attendees gathered for the Blood Tour with AFI, Circus Survive, and Citizen. During Circus Survive's set, fans left a little puzzled when the guitarist, Brendan X-Storm, stopped playing mid-set and walked off the stage for a few minutes. But it doesn't just leave fans confused. The guitarist's fellow bandmates were a bit puzzled as well. He eventually returned within a few minutes and the rest of the show went on as scheduled with no explanation as to what happened. Today, X-Storm took to his Twitter account and explained through 15 tweets due to character limitation his reason behind the sudden stage flee. Here's what he had to say. Quick note to those who were at the show last night. I've been doing this for 20 years and I've never walked off Stage during a song before. For almost a whole song, I watched a guy stand a row behind a girl flirting and then trying to kiss her. It was so hard to tell what was really happening. At times, she seemed okay with his advances, but after the second time of watching her push his face and hands away and try to turn back to the show, I asked the security guard to go check on them. He couldn't see what I was pointing to, and it was still happening. I left the stage and walked straight for them. My mind's an emotional blur. Security followed me. The man seemed dumbfounded when I showed up as if nothing was wrong. I don't know what happened after I went back to stage to finish the show. Security took it from there. I didn't see them again after that. Maybe they were removed or just moved. Maybe they were in a relationship. Maybe they weren't. Regardless, what I saw from the stage was disturbing to me and completely removed me from the mindset I need to be on stage. It wasn't cute. It was alarming. I'm almost 40 and flirting doesn't look like that. Maybe it's that I have a daughter or that I'm older. Maybe it's that I watched this video not too long before we played and I couldn't shake it. He puts the video in the tweet. I don't know what the video was because I didn't actually see his tweet. I saw the article first. I really don't know, but it made me furious to watch a girl forcibly remove someone's hands from her body multiple times. I still don't feel great about how I handled the situation. I borderline blacked out in some weird rage mode. It makes me nervous to think about how I would handle situations like that in the future, especially if I was with somebody I knew or cared about, especially if it was my daughter. I don't really know what to say about it all. I'm sorry to my band for not communicating the situation better and leaving them standing on stage confused. And I'm sorry to fans who were equally confused and saw a bit of an unusual show. Now, lately, more and more bands have been becoming advocates for fans to ensure their safety at shows. Security can only do so much, see as much, and same goes for the band on stage. So if you are in attendance at any concert show and see these actions, please step forward and report it. We want to say thank you to Brandon for being that woman's voice. I have mentioned in previous episodes about Haley dealing with a guy uh, who kept telling her to take off her shirt back in the early days of Paramore Lynn from Paris had a very similar situation happen to her that she talked to Fuse about in 2015 when Paris started attracting attention and becoming warped towards big heavy hitters. Fuse says, you're a big Hayley Williams fan and one of my favorite stories of hers happened when Paramore were just starting out. They played a small club in Philly and this guy started yelling, take off your shirt. She ignored it before realizing I'm the one with the microphone. I'm the one with the power to say something. She had kicked him out and the show went on. on. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Lynn said, yes, we were playing the electric factory in Philly. I'm on stage and it's quiet right between our songs. This is pretty much the same shit, but a little bit more foul. This guy basically said he wanted to ejaculate all over my face. I was like, excuse me, sir, please fuck off. There's much better ways that you can get a woman. And that's certainly not the way. Not that I'd be interested in it anyway. And everyone was like, boo, to that dude and cheered for me. I didn't get him kicked out. But I was like, you're disgusting. Have some manners. That's not how you talk to anyone. It's on YouTube somewhere. And then she laughs. It's not actually on YouTube somewhere because I checked because I wanted to play it for you guys. So if anybody actually has that YouTube video, please link it to me because I want to see it and I want to play it in an episode. Now, on a lighter note than all these situations, I want to talk to you guys about something else. Now Now has gotten back in the game after taking some time off. A few months ago, singer Casey told uh, her entire Twitter following some personal stuff. Um, There was a lot of stuff going on. She was kind of getting bullied and a lot of bullshit going on in her internet life. So she took to her Tumblr to kind of tell this really sad story about how she got bullied when she was a kid and I just really felt for her even though I have no idea who she is and I've literally seen her for the first time in my life this month but now now recently started picking up doing interviews again and they did one for Stereogum this month talking about the pressure to follow up being gone for almost five years I've talked about the pressure that was put on Paramore in Paris to put out new music so I found this interesting from now now Stereo Gum was asking what has changed since they've been away and the pressures that they felt. The band mentioned a lack of inspiration to which Stereo Gum asked, what do you think was blocking you? Did you feel that you were just rehashing old ideas or did you not really feel inspired? Casey said, I've always been a really insecure person with everything we've ever put out. I've never felt I was true to myself in in it and true to my feelings in it, but I've never been some something where I would want to listen to it. I think I was thinking about everything too hard and it was crippling to me. I've always been scared to say exactly what I've been thinking or feeling. And it, was eventually, and it eventually got to the point where I wasn't scared to do that anymore. There came a point where I was like, why am I scared to do this? The only thing that was scaring me was me. There was a lot of pressure to get the album done. That alone, I felt very compressed. I don't want to feel the stress of everyone being like, it's been five years, where's the album? I didn't want to feel the stress. So I very much shut off my emotions to that stress, which allowed me to feel no emotion whatsoever about anything. And I think it hit a point where I couldn't do that anymore. And I've been a lot happier since. Now, I had the absolute pleasure of seeing Now Now a few weeks ago, and they played two new songs. Two new songs, guys. One is called Yours, and the other one is called Arizona, I think. I have a video of Arizona. I'll play you guys quick so you can get really excited about the new record because I'm really excited about the new record. So I have mentioned how fucked up our political climate is right now, but we have people like Lana Del Rey giving us some sort of glimmer of hope in this never-ending black hole of ignorance and bullshit. Nyland did an article a few days ago on how Lana will not use the American flag anymore due to Trump. For those not familiar or haven't listened to a single episode Pat has ever spoken on, Lana is supposed to represent this idea of an all-American girl while also being the all-American sad girl. Her aesthetic has made her such an icon within her fan base, kind of like how most of us feel about Beyonce. Lana fans feel the same way about her and probably about Beyonce too, honestly. So Nylon wrote this article and I love it so much. It's not very long, so I'll read you guys the whole thing. It says, Lana Del Rey has built her persona on nostalgic, iconic American imagery, but now that a deranged Muppet is running our country, she's changing course. When asked by Pitchfork if being romantic about the U.S. under a Trump administration is hard, she replied, it's certainly uncomfortable. I definitely changed my visuals on my tour videos, Delray continued. I'm not going to have the American flag waving while I'm singing Born to Die. It's not going to happen. I'd rather have static. It's a transitional period and I'm super aware of that. I think it would be inappropriate to be in France with the American flag. It would feel so weird to me now. It didn't feel weird in 2013. She said that the uncertainty during the 2016 election also influenced her new album all the guys in the studio we didn't know where we didn't know we were going to start walking in every day and talking about what was going on she said we hadn't ever done that before but every day during the election you'd wake up and some new horrible thing was happening korea with missiles suddenly being pointed at the western coast with when the world was a war we kept dancing i was posing a real question to myself could this be the end of an era the fall of rome While her previous albums haven't been political, she felt like this latest one could not be. It's more appropriate now than under the Obama administration, where at least everyone I knew felt safe. It was a good time. We were on the up and up, she explained. Women started to feel less safe under this administration instantly. What if they take away Planned Parenthood? What if we can't get birth control? Now when people ask me those questions, I feel a little differently. When you have a leader at the top of the pyramid who is casually being loud and funny about these things, I've brought up character defense and people who already have the propensity to be violent towards women. Another interesting thing about saying this is that a lot of people apparently were upset at her for saying feminism doesn't interest her and she would rather talk about space. Meanwhile, here she is fighting the good fight for women. For more on that entire conversation, you guys should check out episode 6 where Pat and I talk about all of our feelings on that and how we feel towards the way people think feminism should be in this generation. Now, for anybody interested, it's from her 2014 interview for The Fader, and her exact quote is, "'For me, the issue of feminism is just not an interesting concept,' she says. "'I'm more interested in, you know, SpaceX and Tesla. What's going to happen with our intergalactic possibilities? Whenever people bring up feminism, I'm like, God, I'm just really not that interested.'" Personally, I respect the fuck out of Lana Del Rey and I think she still fights the good fight for women regardless what she wants to call herself. Lana has a new record out and you guys should check it out and lots of cool stuff to come from other artists this summer. I hope you guys got something out of today's episode, and I really hope it opened up the conversation about mental illness again. If you guys have more suggestions on other artists to cover or those who are struggling, please email me at rebelheartspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Now, to finish off the episode, I have a really cool band I'm so excited about. They're from British Columbia, and they are called Carousel Scene. The band sounds like a mix of Tegan and Sarah and Now Now, and it is so dreamy and perfect. The song is called IWD from this year, and I believe the band just has these standalone tracks, on their band camp check all those out because they're all perfect and before i play the song remember you guys can find me on facebook.com slash podcast twitter is rebel hearts girl and instagram is sam is socks don't forget i am on every podcast app now including our heart radio and google play i will see you guys at the front here's carousel scene
3: you ever take me home Thanks. Yeah.